to Speak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Matt Skoglin of North Bridger Bison. Matt is a first-generation bison rancher. We discuss how he went from living in suburban Chicago, doing policy advocacy work, to starting his own bison ranch and what that process has been like. He was charged by a bison at one point, survived, terrifying experience, and much more learning curves along the way. Really fascinating. I know many people are, are dreaming or at least contemplating what it would be like to own a ranch. It seems like quite the life. And based on Matt's Instagram feed with North Bridger Bison, it does look like an amazing life. There's pristine mountains in the background, a beautiful field of bison. And he goes through what is called a field harvest, which is the way the bison are turned into food. He kills them on the field with their favorite food in their mouth, surrounded by their friends at one point. Talk about how when we die, we want to be field harvested. And that's it's just an amazing deep truth where if you think about how most food is made in America and across the world, this is a much better way to do it. it fills me with hope and a desire to be a part of creating the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible starting with our food system creating the best quality food in the best possible way and what could we become as a result of that as a foundation of our activities as a species on this planet bison as well an amazing story thinking about how 500 years ago there were 60 million bison roaming the American Midwest. They were dwindled down to around 23 wild bison. Now they're back to the point where they are today. And I, just, I really enjoyed this conversation. It has a ton of wisdom and, and powerful energy to share. I hope you listen all the way through because he goes into detail about his life and his ranch. And I really enjoyed the combo. This episode is sponsored by Equip Foods. Equip creates amazing whole food supplements my favorite protein powder is a beef protein isolate that they make it's unflavored one single ingredient beef and it doesn't taste like beef so you can add it to any shaker smoothie and you're going to get a great quality maybe the best quality protein powder and protein is a powerful macronutrient adding more to your life is going to help athletic performance injury recovery immunity overall vitality also got grass-fed collagen and amazing colostrum great supplements equip foods use a coupon code case or the link down below to place an order if you'd like to try it out or contribute to the podcast another cool way to contribute is leaving a five-star review on the apple app or spotify app those always warm my gizzards and do help the podcast get more play in the algorithm so those are some ways to contribute if you feel called to I appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy this episode with Matt Skoglin. How are you? Hey, good to see you. Stoked to connect. I think I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a while. What you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I'm really looking forward to learning more about your story and, and your day to day and what it's like to harvest and, and ranch bison. It's it's awesome. Yeah, no, well, thanks for the kind words. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, thanks for your interest, and yeah, I've been looking forward to connecting and chatting, so this is great. I guess I'd like to, to start, for, for listeners, Matt has a tremendous beard, one of the best I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> i got to start by just highlighting the, the, the amazing beard that you have. Have you always been bearded, or at what point did, did, it, did you start growing it out? You know, it's funny. I, uh, I started, I would grow it out in the fall. Um, out here during hunting season, I don't know. I, I mean, started a, a long time ago, and um, but then I would shave it some point, like late winter, early spring, and it was the I believe it was the um, yeah, it was the spring of 2015, and I shaved it, and I immediately missed it, and I was like, I'm not shaving it again. So it's been. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, getting getting fuller and, and grayer uh, each year. <laughs> nice. I, f- I feel like bison almost have a bit of a beard too in some pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's funny. A lot of, there, I, a lot of comments that uh, the bison and I have a resemblance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people, that, that, I get that a lot. <laughs> and I remember my, my first time seeing a bison. I was young. We were visiting Colorado with, with my family. And, and I remember being really struck by 
them as as a creature as as an animal as a beast as a being on this planet they're just they have such a profound way of of appearing in the world like that animal of the bison it's almost from another world it's 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 amazing that they're still on this planet and they're so robust and and their energy is so powerful did you did you have a, a similar experience when you first encountered bison or what was what was that like you know it was interesting i i did not at first you know i i grew up in the midwest i grew up in suburban chicago so the first bison i saw we did one on the middle of three boys we did one you know family trip to yellowstone when i was a kid and we must have seen bison because we went into the park um but i don't have like a vivid memory of it and then and then same thing when i like started fly fishing in the in the park um in yellowstone national park in college saw bison and you know thought they were cool but wasn't like blown away by them and then it was when i started uh working for the natural resources defense council the nrdc in january of 2009 and the main issue i worked on with was bison and it was really the more that i read and learned about bison the more captivated i became by the animal and the species and the story and the history and then i'd say you know since then over the past whatever you know 13 plus years uh or i guess 14 14 plus years um more fascinated by them every year uh like i always tell people like since starting the ranch like i am more interested and curious about bison today than i was five years ago 100 percent. so yeah i just they're amazingly fascinating beautiful big strong like just interesting animals yeah with this incredible history and um so yeah, I, I just, I just am, am, yeah, I love them. They're they're amazing, amazing animals. Awesome, and 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 your ranch, North Bridger Bison. I, you've been out there a couple of years now, right? Yeah. So we um, we started the ranch from scratch in 2018, um, and we were uh, my wife Sarah and our kids Otto, Greta, and I. We we were living in Bozeman, which where we where we had been living for a long time, and um, so. Uh, we we commuted largely me. I commuted back and forth to the ranch from Bozeman for the first few years. Then we moved up here full time a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, so started the ranch from scratch five years ago and moved up here full time a couple of years ago. And anyone who has is is unfamiliar with with Matt and North Bridger Bison, I highly recommend checking out their Instagram page. I'll have it linked down below. One, so you can see Matt's amazing beard, but also two, so that you can see the amazing landscapes and, and the ranch itself and the bison. It's it's all incredibly picturesque and quite mind-blowing to see the ranch, especially you know being from anywhere else in America. You've got the majestic mountains in the background, the, the bison, the snow, the field harvest. It, there, there's so much there and it, it's visually captivating. So I highly recommend everyone take a look and, and check it out because it really is something to behold it, it's amazing what you've got going on up there no thanks yeah it's uh yeah no it's it's a, it's a special place we we love it and feel very grateful to to be here doing what we're doing and um yeah i mean this time of year in particular like literally this morning i was just it was uh cloudy when i woke up and then um like slowly the clouds are starting to break apart and the sun's poking through and the north bridgers and you know they're like half covered in snow it looks like glacier national park it's super green down low it's just like a kind of a mind-blowing time of year as it gets super green down low but there's still a lot of a lot of a lot of snow in the mountains it's pretty pretty amazing yeah yeah it's there's, there's so many different ways that we could take this this conversation there's the the story that led you to leaving suburban Chicago and becoming a rancher. There's, there's the, the bison themselves being, you know, so much going on with that backstory and, and what they represent as animals to this country and, and to our, to our world really. And, and then you, your, your personal story, like now you, you've got this, this ranch, you are a first time rancher. Like you said, you built this thing from scratch. That's, that's amazing. I don't think most people even think that's possible, but yeah, of course, of course, it, it's possible, right? That's the that's that's you know that that happens all the time. So I guess for you, what which direction do you do you want to do you want to take this? Like, which of those those options seems like the best? Oh way? no, 
I mean, it's totally, I, I'm happy to talk about anything. So whatever, what you, 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 you know, it's uh, your podcast. You, 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 you pick. I'm, ha- I'm, but anything. I'm happy to chat about anything. Seriously. So the the ranch ranch itself, North Northbridge Bison. How many how many bison do you have now that you're you're caring for? So not including the calves born this spring, which uh, have all been born. What's today, May twenty fourth? Over the past month and a few days. So besides all the calves born, not not including the calves born this spring, we have around 160 bison out there. Um, and it's in it, uh, and they're and primarily younger, like a lot of yearlings and two-year-olds. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's really interesting. Like there are certain times where just with the way the herd, you know, they're a herd animals. So they, um, they, they stay together and kind of move around as a herd. And depending on what they're doing at that, whenever, whenever you see them, depending on what they're doing at that moment and where they are in the landscape, like sometimes it looks like not that many bison because like the landscape's so big and you're like, man, like did like half of them leave? And then there's other times where I'm like, oh my God, like, look at this. There's, you know, so it's so, it's so interesting. Like some days it seems like not a lot and other days it seems like a lot, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That, that definitely seems like quite, quite the herd. And I know from, I think a lot of people are probably familiar seeing viral videos of bison at Yellowstone, like you mentioned, where tourists maybe get a little bit too close and then the bison all of a sudden just charges and gores them. And like my perception of, of bison is that they're, you know, the pretty violent and aggressive based on those viral videos. But when I spent some time at Rome Ranch uh, attending a bison harvest, they were quite peaceful and, and pretty tranquil. And, you know, no, they weren't charging despite the fact that people were, were around them. How, how would you describe their temperament between, you know, those two poles? Oh, uh, they are, I would describe them as gentle giants. Um, you know, they are, uh, if you don't, you know, mess with them, they, I always, I mean, I like sometimes people will come and because of what you're talking about, be a little nervous when we drive out to show them the bison. And I always crack it, not always, but I'll often crack a, a joke and be like, you know, you got to remember, like they, they eat grass, like they don't eat, you know, like they're not going to eat you. Um, and but yeah no i mean we you know common sense goes a long way you know they're they're big animals and they're um you know particularly the cows the feet you know female bison are called cow bison male bison are called bull bison and so the cows um you know are amazing mothers incredibly protective of their calves and then they're a matriarchal society so they have a lead cow and that lead cow um, she can be pretty territorial. Like she's, she's charged me more than once. Um, and so now, you know, it's just being aware of her. Um, and then over time you get to read their body language and that sort of thing. But everyone always gets excited about the bulls, you know, because they're, they're so big and like powerful, uh, looking and, 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 and literally powerful. Um, but they're like truly gentle giants. Like, um, yeah, I think it's just like, I, I, like, Given some of the stuff you see, you know, in Yellowstone, it's a, it's a miracle more people aren't injured. Um, I mean, the bison are incredibly patient with what they have to put up with. Uh, but yeah, I would overall, I would call them, you know, gentle giants. But, you know, remember that these are big, you know, powerful animals. So like use common sense. Don't like try to pet one or get too close and like you'll be fine. So you've been charged more than once. What, what is that like being, being charged at by a bison? It's uh, absolutely terrifying. Um, yeah, the first the first time it was really. I mean, I laugh about it now, but um, like, so the bison arrived in January of 2019, and you know, I'd spent months with them, and you know, uh, uh, I mean, I you know, run the ranch and manage the bison and with them constantly, and um, just felt like yeah, really comfortable around them, and that spring. Um, was doing a pasture move and there was this wetland that I had to move them across. And um, typically the way we do it is we, we pull them, we don't push them. So you get their attention and the lead animals. And then they, they now, they know exactly what's happening. They're like, Oh, we're going to fresh grass. Let's go. And the rest of the herd follows. And, uh, but I was still figuring things out then. And I had to get them across this wetland and I did it on foot. So I walked across the wetland and then they, you know, when I walked across it, they then came the other way. And I was walking behind him on foot and it was like this beautiful spring day 
And I was thinking, oh my God, like the mountains, like this is amazing. I'm the bison whisperer. Like this is just unbelievable. And like, they're all moving in front of me. And it's like, it's like an amoeba, like one large organism. And all of a sudden I like look and there's one, like it took my brain a second to register. There's one like in a full charge right at me. And I was like, holy shit. And thank God there was a fence. And I like definitely would have shattered, you know, the 50 meter dash world record, um, superhuman strength, sprinted over, jumped over this fence and the bison stopped right at the fence. And I was like, I mean, oh my God. And so ever since then, um, I just always make sure that like the truck or the side-by-side is, is nearby. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it's funny now, but it wasn't, wasn't funny at the time. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is, uh, you know, quite a, quite an experience, quite, quite a story. Certainly, certainly not something I would want to, uh, be, be experienced, but it probably, probably comes with the gig. I bet, um, every bison rancher, maybe you're, you're, you've got quite a network out there. They probably all deal with that at some point in, in the ranching, ranching career, I imagine. Sure. I, I assume. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I'm sure particularly early on when you're green, like I was and, and, and you're learning, um, you know, it's just, it's just part of the part, part of learning. Do you think there was something that catalyzed that or like a reasoning behind it? Or is it more of like a random event? Like, how do you perceive that? You know, so the, 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 the bison that charged me was our, was our lead cow number 440. And um, the way I see it, and I re- want to preface this with, this is, you know, a, a human brain putting human thoughts on an animal. So this is just my best guess, but you know, they're, uh, um, you know, it's a herd animal. It's a matrix. She's the, she's in charge of the herd and, uh, she's very territorial. And so I think that she was just defending the herd. She just didn't at some point did not like me walking behind the herd and decided she was going to do something about it. And, um, she, the same animal has done, you know, similar stuff multiple times. Um, like even like, I'll be on the other side of the fence. This happened once. And, um, she left the herd, came over, you know, 30, 40 yards to me and started like rolling on the ground, kind of violently displaying for me. And, um, I interpret all that as like, Hey buddy, this is my herd. I'm in charge. And I always, when I tell the stories, people always laugh because I'm always like 440. I'm like, I love you. Like, you're the boss and you're like, we're on the same team here. We should be buddies. Um, but that's how I see it. Is it's just like territorial, a display, you know, just like this is my herd. I'm in charge defending the herd. That That's that's my human thoughts on what they're doing. And I say this all the time and I genuinely mean it. Like I I, I wish I spoke bison because I have so many questions for him. Um, and I hate when I hear people speak definitively, like when a bison is doing this, it's doing this, this, and this for this, this, and this reason. And I'm like, really? Like, have you asked them? Like, did they tell you that? Cause to me, you're, you know, making an educated guess and uh, maybe you spend a lot of time around bison or you're a scientist or whatever, but we still don't know until you, you know, like we're, we're making our best guesses when we're interpreting their behavior. Yeah. What are some other questions that that come to mind that that you would ask a bison if if you spoke bison? You know, a a big one would be when I field harvest or, you know, which is a euphemism for when I kill a bison, like um, it's different every time the way the, so like when I, it's a rifle shot to the head from close range, which sounds intense, but it's, uh, you know, as ethical and humane as it gets for food, not just for meat, but for food. And we feel like we're very passionate about our process. And, um, but anyways, and that animal, you know, instantly drops and the, there's no reaction from the herd to the rifle shot, like, like zero. Um, but once it's dead on the ground and they realize that and smell some blood, it's different each time, but they, you know, almost always some come over and hang around and like sniff it, rub their heads against it, do do different things. And then once I get it up on my truck and drive away, like, you know, usually eight to 12 will follow the truck, sometimes none. Um, 
uh, I field harvested yesterday morning and yeah, multiple animals came over, multiple followed the truck. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I, I'm, I would love to know more about what's going on with all of that. Um, yeah. It is, it is an amazing part of, of that process. Um, yeah, I witnessed a, a field harvest um, in Austin where this was at Rome Ranch there. They, they offer this as a, an experience that people can come and, and kind of take part in and be a part of. And it is amazing to see the herd sort of come see, witness the death. And, and then they somehow like almost internalize it and then kind of move <laughs> move past it and move on. And and it, it is very different from from humans because we're, we're pretty individualistic. But the bison being a herd, you mentioned they're led by a matriarch. Like, what must that be like to be part of a herd, to be part of a hive mind, to, to have less of a, a sense of being an individual, more of just being a node within a network, it, it's, it appears. And yeah, it's, it's very difficult to, to sort of frame that within our human mind. But I, you know, I guess another question that, that comes to mind is if, if all bison herds have a matriarch, or, or is that kind of particular herd by herd? Uh, so the way... So like, let's just take, well, I guess, yeah, just go back a thousand years when there were 30 to 60 million bison roaming North America from Northern Canada down into Mexico and basically coast to coast. Um, you know, my understanding is there would have been, yeah, I mean, like thousands and thousands and thousands of herds, all these, you know, and, and led by a female and then, um, and then the bull, you know, young, and younger bulls. And then once the bulls get older, they then leave the herd and form like either are either by themselves or they form bachelor groups of bulls. Um, and then they'll come back to the herds during the breeding season or what's called the rut, which is in July and August. Um, so yeah, I think you would have had like thousands and thousands of herds. Um, but I don't, I mean, how, you know, if you would have had like sub herds within a bigger herd, you know, with multiple, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about how, how it was um, back then, but, but yeah, it's, you know, I think painting with a broad brush, it's a herd animal. There, there would have been a, a, a several, several herds and, and, um, uh, and yeah, a lead cow or a matriarch for each herd. Wow. That's amazing to, to visualize this great land, America, especially throughout the Midwest where you've just got herds roaming thousands of herds all led by a matriarch, just, you know, stampeding across the Midwest. And I think, I believe it was like, there's some massive number, like you mentioned of, of bison. And it was brought down to like, like a very small, like cold to like 50 bison or something. And now we're kind of regenerating back to a higher number. Yeah. So there were, so they estimate that there were somewhere between 30 to 60 million bison um say you know again a, you know a thousand years or 500 years ago um and then the they were uh you know market hunted market killed for their hides there was a big hide market and um their numbers were reduced down there, there were fewer than a thousand animals um and at that point some people had captured some bison so you had some captive herds there were only 23 wild bison left in existence uh, deep in the interior of Yellowstone National Park. And um, the whole story is wild. There's a great book uh, called The Last Stand, like George Bird Grinnell, Saving the Buffalo and the Birth of the New West or something like that, that tells it. But yeah, they, they ended up bringing in the U.S. Army to Yellowstone National Park to protect the bison. Um, and... It was, it was, you know, I've heard, uh, like read and heard things on podcasts, like Meat Eater is one of my favorite podcasts. They talk about bison fair mountain. Steve Rennell was saying the way, like, um, that even when the bison were killed off in massive numbers, bison hunters still hung out in the West for like another winter or two, because they didn't believe that the numbers were as low. They were like, no, no, no. Like they must be up north somewhere. They're going to come back. Like you know, the, their, their their numbers worked against them in a way. Like there were so many that the idea of pushing this animal to extinction was unfathomable. Um, and, and 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 another interesting story is that the numbers got so low at one point they they really did think they were going to go extinct. And so the the Smithsonian sent out a 
scientist, William Hornaday, out to Eastern Montana to kill a few bison and bring back to DC to put in a museum so that, because they said, these are going extinct. We need to be able to show future generations that this animal once numbered in the millions in North America. But fortunately, they didn't go extinct and their numbers have slowly increased. And now they estimate there's around 500,000 in North America. So, you know, obviously it's a fraction of a fraction of what was once here, but there's, you know, it, a, a lot better than less than a thousand. Wow. Yeah, that is, that is quite the, quite the comeback story and, and an amazing just piece of American history that is, is mind blowing. The fact that brought 30 to 60 million bison down to under a thousand and even 23 wild bison that would you have protected by the army up in Yellowstone. That's that is, it, it's, it's crazy to think that that something at that scale could have been pulled off back, back in the day. And even, even just the, the abundant wildlife that this nation used to have, you know, the 30, 60 million bison just everywhere. I think that rivers were running with salmon. If you went to the you know, bay and off the, in New York, there would just be like oysters and all kinds of sea life that was just, it was like, uh, you didn't have to go to the store for food. Like our just nature was almost like, you know, the, the whole food, you just go out and there's just food everywhere if, if you knew how to, to grab it. And, and now it's, it's so different where we've got, most of our food is coming from animals who are treated horribly in, in horrific conditions, kind of confined to cages. It, it's subject to unspeakable horrors in order to become cheap meat that is subsidized by our tax dollars, unfortunately. And, and you are creating a new way. You, you've, you've taken a step. You're, you've stood up for, for what you believe to be what's true and what's right and what is you know, ob objectively true and right. You're, you're doing the best for, for the animals, for, for the environment, for the humans that are going to be eating and consuming this web of life that you are, that you are cultivating. At what point did, did you believe that, that this was you know, a, a great thing to do with your life? It was, when, when did this idea come in your mind and how are you compelled to become the rancher that you are today? Yeah. No, well, great, great question. It was, it, it was a process, you know, it wasn't like um, walking around one day and then, you know, got, hit by a bolt of lightning and was like, oh my God, we're going to start a bison ranch tomorrow. Um, it was more, you know, I have loved nature ever since I was a little kid, you know, got real interested in conservation and, you know, environmentalism and high school and college, um, you know, went to law school, had a short stint as a lawyer in Chicago. Sarah and I moved to Montana in 08. And then I worked for an environmental organization uh, the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC, doing environmental policy work. The main issue I worked on was bison. And, um, but I had an entrepreneurial itch and was really craving to do something that was tangible, land-based, conservation-based on my own, had different ideas. They were either bad ideas or if they were a good idea, I chickened out on it. But like over time, you know, through, the, through each of those um, uh, processes, I guess, you... Uh, you know, my journey was that like, you know, your, your backbone gets a little thicker and stronger and you're, you're ready to take some risk. And, um, I, you know, uh, yeah, just uh, passionate about conservation, animals, nature, the landscape, land, um, and, uh, big meat hunter always been, you know, and then, you know, particularly later in life, um, more and more into food and how it's sourced. And, um, and then literally, but so anyway, to cut to the chase, in the summer of, I think it was 2017, we read an article in our local paper about the National Bison Association having a their summer conference in Big Sky, Montana. And it said that the bison industry was growing and they were looking for more producers. And I read the article and I'm not kidding. I literally was like, man, that would be so cool. That sounds amazing. Um, I mean, clearly that's not for me as a kid from suburban for Chicago. But for someone, that's going to be awesome. And went on with my day. Um, and then like weeks and weeks later, it was still like kicking around my brain. And I was like, you know, man, like that would be really like, that just really appealed to me. Um, and then and then that fall, I read this book, Buffalo for the Broken Heart by Dan O'Brien. And he started Wild Idea Buffalo of South Dakota. He's a hero of mine. And in that book, he he's the one that pioneered the modern day field harvest of bison. And um, so when I read about that, it was like that that was a truly instant light bulb moment of like, whoa, 
I didn't realize that existed. That's the way to do it. Uh, and I, I, I want to get serious about this. And I think I know that there are people out there they're going to connect with this because I've met more and more people that were like, you know, I, I've, I've seen Food Inc. I read Michael Pollan and I'm just done with me. I'm just done. Um, but, and, and, oh, and I don't hunt, but if my neighbor kills an elk and gives me 25 pounds, like, oh my God, I'm all over it. And I was like, oh, okay. So you're not done with meat. You're done with like industrial meat. Like you were talking about, like the horrible things they do to hogs and cages and, you know, these brutal cruel practices and so i um uh anyway so that's when i got real serious about it It was the fall of 2017 and um and then just like one thing led to another to another to another and um went to a holistic management workshop and this amazing guy who's a close friend roland cruz uh he's a ranching consultant was invaluable to us along the way and then we found this land which was a needle in the haystack the only land we looked at in person and um it wasn't a singular isolated event. It was a progression of events over time that ultimately culminated in us getting real serious about it in the winter of 2017, 2018. Awesome. It's so cool to think that this, this does happen for, from so many angles because yeah, a lot of the food system is messed up. A lot of people are aware of that. And then it's like, the question is, okay, well, what do we do about it? What, what can, what can anybody do about it? We can like vote with our dollars. Like that's one thing, you know, and then you've taken like this deeper level, this next step of like, I'm going to vote with my like energy and my career and my, my passion and, and my, you know, my life. Like I'm going to dedicate my life to this thing. And looking back now, are you, are you glad you made that decision? I'm sure there were some points along the way where you weren't quite sure what, what you're getting into. Yeah, no, I, I, um, uh, I am, I would not trade it for the world. I feel very fortunate to be able to do it. I'm very glad that we, you know, took the leap five years ago that we took. Um, and, you know, we, you know, truly what happened is we just, we just put so much work into this that at some point, like the risk of not doing it became greater than the risk of doing it. If we, we might, we're going to, we're going to do this and we might horrifically fail, um, but we got to try. And there have been, yeah, I mean, I could, we, we could do a whole separate podcast about mistakes I've made, uh, hard times, you know, you know, catastrophic events like burning a truck to the ground and brutally breaking my ankle and all sorts of, you know, cha real challenges along the way. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Absolutely love it. And I also I was just talking about this with someone yesterday. It's like, those years leading up to it where at times you feel stuck and frustrated um, that all again, like it builds the backbone to do something so that you can weather the hard times. Cause like, no matter what you do in life, there's times it's just going to be hard times. It's going to suck um, and, and be really hard. And you just got to get, you know, it, it have the perspective that even in those moments, it's like, yep, like this sucks and we got to get through it. But um, I still wouldn't wouldn't trade it for the world. And um, and yeah, it just feels good. Like, you know, I was doing policy advocacy work ultimately on behalf of nature. Right. Which I like, you know, felt great about. But the day to day of it was frustrating. You just you lacked a lot of control in my former job. Um, like it's super important work. And I worked with wonderful people and I respect people to do that work. But for me individually, it just you got frustrated. You just feel like you, like I'll give the example, like you'd chat with a state agency biologist and a federal biologist and say, Hey, you know, you guys should really do X. And they'd say, Matt, I couldn't agree more with you, but politically that's a non-starter. And you're like, what are we doing? Like you go back to your office, you're like, what, what are we doing here? It's like, we're going through the motions on things we don't have control over. And so what really appealed to me about what we're doing with Northbridge or Bison was that like here, on our ranch, like on a, on our small scale, we are having a tangible impact on this land. We're having a tangible impact on the food system. It might be microscopic, but it's tangible. Like I field harvested a bison yesterday morning. That'll provide hundreds of pounds for four customers. We have provided thousands of pounds of bird friendly, wildlife friendly, climate friendly, land friendly, super healthy, super delicious meat for hundreds of customers. And 
that feels really great. And so it's like the tangibility of that um, is like really appeals to me. It's deep and it's huge. The the ripple effect of that is is unfathomable. It really, if you consider it really at, you know, at the microscopic level, the bison are, are supporting microbial life and insect life and the bird life on top of that. And it really just scales out from there, even to the people who are paying you to field harvest that bison who are then consuming it and having more energy, being in a better mood, having more vitality, immunity, every level they're they're becoming a more powerful homo sapien and able to impact others in, in a more powerful and, and beautiful way. And it's like the ripple effect of that. If you really, it's like difficult to wrap your mind around, but it is massive. It's so much more than like, you know, trying to argue with a politician about like, you know, what, what they're going to do with the tax dollars. And it's like, yeah, this, and, and I see this, like this theme of playing out like a lot of people who I'm uh, interacting with friends with who are interested in health interested in um, you know food system where they're like now all it's really over the past few years people more and more people are saying like I want a ranch like I want a farm like I want to be like have my hands in the soil I want to be tending to animals being uh, practicing animal husbandry and and you know being a part of this at like a, a grassroots you know ground level would what would you say to, to folks who are sort of contemplating or, or dreaming of this lifestyle um, is there anything that you would kind of share with, with your former self as to like a heads up as, as to this whole, you know, kind of process this unfolding? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think there's, you know, I guess there's, you know, two ways to go. There's like having, you know, a hobby farm or, you know, where, where like uh, say your, whatever your day job is. I mean, these days so many people work remotely from zoom. So maybe, you know, whatever you're you're a lawyer and you can work remotely but you want to have some you know have a big garden and, and some animals but you're not like paying the bills through that so that's like one route but if you're trying to make a you know career change um and have it become your 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 life and your livelihood um you know i think to my former self back then you know i would uh i mean so what sarah and i did like and i what i think is like so, you know, clearly there's all the normal steps you have to take, right? Like you, you need to put together a business plan. You need to think through all the details of what your business is going to look like and what your ranch is going to look like and who your customers are going to be and all that stuff, um, you know, which, all, you know, is somewhat speculative and you hope it all comes together. Um, but what we did a lot was like, we just played devil's advocate with one another because, you know, we knew this would be just a massive change in lifestyle. And, um, and, and, and so I think like five years out, I would, I would go back and like, do it even more, you know, like I just, I was talking to someone recently about it. So it's like, called it like, like the gut check test. Um, because like, you know, laughed with a bunch of people about this, but like, like you were saying, like, yeah, more and more people are interested in farming and ranching and animals and that stuff, which is awesome. Like, I think it's so wonderful and I hope it just keeps going like in a major way. I hope there's gas poured on that fire. Um, but I think if you're going to get into it, you've got to go into it really knowing what you're getting into. Cause like, if you go on Instagram and look at the beautiful images, like, you know, the appeal is obvious, right? It's like cattle grazing green lush fields or chickens running around or bison or goats or sheep and mountains or grasslands or whatever, wherever you are in the country. Um, and it's so idyllic and beautiful. Um, but there's like the other, there's like the other side that, that is hard and difficult and, you know, canceled plans and late nights and weather and, you know, missed meals and a lot of real stuff. So I think like someone that's like, oh, I want to, you know, do that and, and, but like not change my life at all. Like you're probably, you know, setting yourself up for like frustration, you know, um, so I think that that gut check piece is really important because like to do this and to do it effectively and and to enjoy it, I feel like you just, you got to be all in, you know, like you have to be all in on it. Um, and so I think that that would be my advice is like the gut check piece. And how is like the, the day-to-day -day labor? What, what is that like? Because I, I know a lot of people are now, they have, you know, I think this dream is active in a lot of people's minds who have white collar work who are, you know, essentially staring at a computer all day for, you know, and that's draining in a specific way. But like the trade-off isn't just like frolicking in a field of, of chickens and cows. Like you said, I, I imagine the labor, it's it's like kind of sun up the sunset, like a, a high amount of physical labor. Is that is that a fair 
assessment or what is it kind of like? No, it, it really, it really varies day to day um, and, and season to season. Like, you know, the heart of the summer is very different from the heart of the winter, but I'd say, I mean, and again, I guess like when it comes to, you know, bison ranching, which is what I know and kind of, kind of ranching in general, um, it is so uh, nuanced from ranch to ranch. Like there's so many different ways to, I guess there's so many different business models to uh, in the world of ranching. There's so many different ways to do it that you can't, you just can't paint with a broad brush. But for us where, you know, we raise bison and have a direct to consumer meat business. Um, there's the, the, you know, managing the animals and the ranch and fencing and, and that piece of it. And then there's the field harvesting and working with the butcher uh, and, and the freezer space and that piece of it, there's the sales and marketing and, you know, social media and, you know, articles and, you know, that side of it. And then there's the customers working with our customers, order fulfillment, delivering bison, shipping bison in, you know, frozen bison meat. Um, so there's all like, there's like, we wear a lot of different hats. And, um, you know, some of those things are more fun than others. Uh, so, so there is, you know, what we, what we, we really try to be efficient with our time. So like we try to, you know, try to have like ranch days where you're working on the ranch and being as, as, uh, productive as possible. And then like town days where maybe you set up, you have two meetings and run a couple errands and drop off some meat. Um, so like yesterday was a field harvest day. So field harvested in the morning. And then took the bison to Amsterdam Meat Shop, which is the butcher we work with, and then had a meeting set up later in the afternoon um, since I knew I was going to be in town. Um, and then today's a ranch day. So here today, and um, our we have an intern here right now, and then a part-time employee here, and then a regenerative agriculture consultant who is going to be here today. Um, so today's a ranch day. And um, so, yeah, I mean, as you get, as you get the drift – uh, you just wear, it's, 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 it, that's been one of the harder things is I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it, but the first couple few years, I felt like I was inefficient with my time. There was just a lot of like running around. Um, and so now we're, 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 you know, as much as we can, which is tricky when you're dealing with animals and weather and, you know, some things that are outside of your control, but, but within that we, we, you know, try to put as much of a system in place as, as possible. The first few years, I was not as efficient with my time. There was a lot of running around. And now, um, as the, you know, as the business has gotten busier and, you know, we've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. We've tried to put as much structure in place as we can with the reality that, you know, we, we're still dealing with weather and animals and, you know, things that are outside of our control at times. Um, but yeah, every, I mean, every week is different and every day is different, which, which is one of the, one thing I really like about it. Um, it, it's, it, it can be hard cause you're trying to, you know, be efficient with your time, but I also, I, I, I like that. Awesome. That's a, that's an excellent overview of, of running a, you know, a bison ranch at a high level for, for anyone who's, who's got this dream alive in their mind, they can kind of conceptualize it a little bit better now. Right. It's like, I, I you know, I just always like, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, like if you think you're going to spend all your days, I would love to spend all my time out there, you know, with the bison, watching them graze, hanging out. Um, but like, then how do you find customers and how do you sell meat? How do you get the meat? How do you deliver the meat, ship the meat? Um, and then same thing, like it's, you know, there's, you know, more and more, farms and ranches selling direct to consumer, which is awesome. Like, again, I hope that there's gas poured on that fire because that's the way to go. And so it's, I love it. Um, but if you think that, you know, you find a pretty piece of land, get a few animals, open a, start a website, open an Instagram account, and people are going to come knocking down your door. Like that's just, you know, it takes work, right? You know, you need to, um, you know, uh, yeah, work on your, on your, like any other business. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's work, a lot of work involved. Um, and it's not all, uh, 
you know, watching the bison graze under, un, under, you know, snow-capped peaks while the sun sets. There, there is some of that, which is awesome, uh, but it's not all that. Amazing. Yeah, it's, and, and mention a, a few things here that, that are really standing out, standing out to me. I think one that we've got to dive into that you've brought up a few times is, is the field harvest, which, which is an absolutely amazing uh, method of, of turning a living bison into, into food, essentially. It's kind of the first step. And right now, just, just to uh, you know, draw out the sort of juxtaposition, most of the meat that is generated, we kind of talked about the horrors of, of how it's raised, but when it comes time, to turn those animals into meat that often happens with animals being crowded under like trucks and brought to the slaughterhouse where they kind of go through a, like a conveyor belt system where they're, they're processed. And I think um, from, from one angle, you can say, hey, this is a horrifying experience. Like it raises their adrenaline, their stress levels. And then when, when the meat is made, you know, when the animal's killed, that actually affects the meat in some, some negative ways. Like it's going to make it a little bit tougher, maybe taste best and may even affect the nutrition, making, making it less, less, um, nutritious to the end consumer but what you're doing is starkly different very very uh, completely opposite angle and, and it's it's pretty cool it's not something that i, I see a very widespread seems to be somewhat unique to it to a certain degree to, a, to only a select few ranchers how, how does how do you approach that what what is what is the field harvest all about the field harvest is is it's basically just reversing the process so you know for bison you know because they haven't been domesticated um, you know, shipping bison to a slaughterhouse is super high stress for bison and, um, it's stressful. So there's, you know, a humane piece of that. It's stressful for the animal. And then it absolutely affects, you know, that stress affects the quality of the meat. Um, and so by field harvesting, you're literally just reversing it. You're just, uh, so like yesterday morning, you just, you're, I drive out to wherever the bison are that day. And they know me, they know my truck. I always joke that they, they're like, Oh, idiot with the beers back again. Um, and, and then uh, it's, it's, you know, I stay in my truck cause they're much more tolerant of you in, in your truck. And like, and then it's a headshot with a rifle and an all copper bullet uh, for like average shots, probably 10 yards. Um, so super close. And um uh, you know, it, uh, yeah. And, and so it's no stress for the animal. So as ethical and humane as it gets, and then no stress in the meat. So the meat's just absolutely out of this world, delicious. And I always say it's, you know, as ethical and humane as it gets for food, not just meat, because, you know, as more and more people are talking about, and I think the podcaster and writer Diana Rogers and her, um, partner, James Connolly do an amazing job pointing out, you know, like the realities of uh, like the plant-based uh, food world, um, like how horrible so much of that food is for the environment and, and for animals and lots of things are killed. Um, so, you know, in our case, like, you know, on a ranch, like our bison are out here and they're, you know, building topsoil and the ranch is sucking carbon out of the atmosphere and storing it in the ground, providing habitat for all sorts of pollinators, birds, wildlife. And then at the end, an animal is killed with a headshot from a rifle that literally doesn't feel a thing. And, um, you know, like it like kind of, I don't know, funny, not funny, but my during COVID when there was, you know, dark times and lots of talk about this and that, I remember a buddy was like, you know, when I'm old, like, um, like take me out to the woods and, and shoot me. And I was like, I'm with you. I, I, I totally agree, man. And then I was like, actually, no, I'm like, cause that morning is really going to suck. Like the morning that you say time to take you out to the woods and shoot you. And if my wife were here, she'd be like telling me to shut up. She hates when I say this, but I, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? I'm like field harvest me. I'm like, so here's the deal. I was like, Sarah, you get to make the call when I'm, when it's my time to go, when it's like, all right, Matt's washed up and starting to go, you know, starting to lose it. And then you tell one of my hunting buddies, cause I don't trust you with a rifle, but, and then um, we'll be at the dinner table with like friends and family, a big medium rare ribeye, cold beer, telling stories, laughing. And my buddy's outside with a rifle and I have no idea what happens. The next thing I know, like, it's just dark. Uh, 
So, but that's, I mean, it's kind of sick or I don't know, sick sense of humor, but it, but that's, that's it. Like that, that's field harvesting. Like it's literally like that bison is out there with its, you know, bison and it's not being removed from the herd, which is stressful for bison. It's, it's out there with the herd doing their thing. Like almost all, you know, like yesterday, the bison's literally got grass in its mouth. Um, so, you know, when it comes to food, it's like, you know, Diana Rogers says there's no such thing as a bloodless diet, right? We're all killing stuff. Um, it's just a question of how. And so the field harvest process, it just really appealed to me because um, I just feel, yeah, I just feel so good about the process, you know, for the animal and for the meat and for the whole thing. And um, and so, yeah, so I, you know, it's a headshot with the rifle and then I bleed, I lift it up with the bale bed of the truck, bleed it, take it to a different pasture gut it or eviscerate it and then um get on the back of the truck drive to the butcher shop where it's ultimately dry aged and cut wrapped frozen and you know so it's it's really good you know it's it's meat that you can feel really wonderful about eating and meat that tastes amazing and is like unbelievably healthy for you this is the future of food if if we think about food in the sense of this is like what is the best thing we can possibly do for the planet for the animals for ourselves for the soil and instead of like thinking about the future of food as in the most profitable for large corporations like that that is leading us down a deep dark path it is leading to massive rates of obesity and diabetes and dementia and autism and like every, pretty much all these horrible chronic diseases that have just been on the rise for decades let's you know forget all that let's have a strong powerful revolution against that and turn to what you're doing with, with this bison being field harvested like everything seems to be on point like the best possible way and yeah my my mom jokes about this as well she's like i when i get old just like take me out to the woods and you know it's like if we all have that it's like oh yeah that is, that would be the best way to go like especially as as he as he described it's like yeah you're, you're with your favorite people eating your favorite food and then all of a sudden you have a bad three seconds like that's exactly what's happening to these yeah not, i mean not even a bad three seconds it's just like you know it's just like the lights go out you know uh so yeah it's it's uh um yeah i'm, I'm glad that you share the same perspective and can can understand <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I think anyone listening that it'll resonate as well if if you know they're able to have an open mind and really contemplate like okay, life death, you know, it happens. How do we sort of create a situation in which it's best for everyone? And this is the obvious answer. Um, and and I think I was I was listening to the podcast that that you made with James Connolly on on sustainable dish, and then you also made one on, on the meat mafia, both tremendous podcasts that I'll link down below. Um, so people can, can listen to, to more of those. They, they both went in some different directions, but I, one thing that you said that really resonated with me, um, was that a, a fresh bison carcass is a beautiful thing. And, and it, it is, um, quite beautiful. It, it, I almost think of it of like a cross section of, of a kiwi. You look at that and it's just marvelous or even a cabbage, you cut that in half. It's like, whoa, this is an amazing piece of art that mother nature has, has made, but you've got to kind of access it in a way where it's, you know, it's like inside the thing. You only really get it from a certain perspective and a bison carcass is the same thing opened up the, the organs and every piece of the animals is really marvelous and, and a, an amazing masterpiece work of art. Yeah, no, I very well said. I, I I totally agree. You know, it's like yesterday, you know, field harvesting that bison, and when it's finally skinned and up uh, before it goes on the rail, it's you know, I always you know when they cut it down the backbone because part of our mission is connecting people to where their food comes from, and and um, and so uh, I take a picture of it. You know, like so yesterday morning when I drive out, take a picture of the herd. And then after I kill the bison, take a picture of the bison on the ground, nothing gory, but just very clearly, like that's a dead bison. Um, and then at the butcher shop, one, you know, once it's split down the backbone, have one half shoulder side out, one half rib side out and take a picture of that. And then today I'll email those pictures um, with a little, you know, summary of yesterday to the four customers um, because, you know, it's like we're just... Again, just so passionate about our process, believe in it so so strongly, want people to be connected to where their food comes from. And um and 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 yeah, like when I that bison carcass, it's 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 gorgeous. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And I I it's great. I've I've been reading and hearing more and more 
thoughtful people talk about life and death and particularly about death and how we need to be more comfortable with it. And, you know, I, 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 I think more and more about it because I, you know, kill bison for a living. And so I'm around death. Um, and yeah, it's great to see, uh, yeah, I just, I found some really smart, thoughtful people that I've been reading and listening to about it that I really appreciate. Um, uh, and yeah, it just made me think more about it. Has being connected with the process of, of death changed the way that you live your life? Yeah. I mean, um, I, th you know, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's, if it's like, if I'm totally, if I'm totally conscious of the, like being around the death part, cause it's, you know, um, but I would just say through, through, yeah, over the last five years with the ranch being, you know, so closely connected to nature and the natural world. Um, and then some other just life experiences. I have just, I've, I guess more aware than ever that life is very short and life is very fragile. And, um, and, and so like my, my go-to saying this day, these days, when I want to ask how I'm doing, I'm just like, you know, no news is good news. And I'm like, I mean that from like the purest, most honest place, you know, like there's a lot of people with bad news uh, today. Right. And um, I woke up and my kids are healthy. My wife's healthy. I'm healthy. Like the ranch is good. And like, man, it's hard to ask for more. And I'm not being corny or cheesy at all. Like I've just, we've got some friends going through cancer and, different stuff. And just, you know, life is short. Like it really is. And it's fragile, like crazy shit happens in an in instant. And so I think, you know, I, I just appreciate that and think about that more than I ever have. And, um, uh, and it's a powerful perspective uh, to, to think, uh, you know, it, it, uh, and I'm not perfect. I, you know, complain and feel sorry for myself like any other human. Um, but but it, yeah, I, I'm more connected, more tapped into that than I've ever been in my life. I do believe that that is really important. You mentioned being reconnected with the food. That does mean being reconnected with death. And it's, it's, there is a powerful point of view that, that comes along with that, even if it's, you know, it's not going to be a 24 seven, you know, awareness of like, going to die. So I got to live it up now. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to like energize you in a way where it's like, okay, yeah, this, this, this ride is going to you know, come to an end or at least some sort of shift in, in the way that it is. And at some point, and it's like, got to squeeze the juice out of this thing because it really is, you know, here for us. And, and a lot of people are suffering from like apathy. And, and I think a, a big part of that is like, just as you described a disconnection from food, a disconnection from, from death and where it's like a simple shift in perspective can mean the world as far as like changing your perception because perception is reality so if you change the way you see things you can really change change reality and and everything that that you're doing like th this whole conversation is is now i'm coming to this idea that what you're creating is the pinnacle of food like this is the best possible food that one can acquire from, from my mind like i'm you know pretty been pretty tapped into like nutrition and health food and the food space for years now and, and and this is the pinnacle of food like bison that's been raised in a pristine natural environment field harvested and provided yeah i know on, on your site you offer um you know full of a, a, a full bison uh, half bison quarter bison for folks who want to invest in having that meat in a freezer um you've also got bison skulls which are pretty amazing like piece of artwork that can be hung on hung on the wall if someone wanted a bison skull for the wall does that does that just hang up if they get it does it come with like uh some way to hang it or what what is the the skull like you know it, yeah it, it's it, it uh it doesn't come with anything to hang but it's super easy i just what we just use is like um uh um uh like heavy duty uh fishing line you know that's clear and just tie that through the back and then put a nail on the wall and you're good to go. Like keep it super simple. Nice. And, and the, so the current bison offerings, do you think you'll offer like individual cuts at some point in the future? Or is it, are you going to stick with the, the half cow uh, or half bowl, you know, quarter bowl kind of options? Great question. So um, for in the near future, we'll continue to do quarter, half and whole bison. Um, and it's funny. I mean, that's, 
that um, it sounds like a lot of meat, but our customers are always surprised at how quickly they go through it. You know, people would be like, oh my God, a quarter bison. Like I could never eat it. That's just crazy. But like, they, it, you know, one, we're not killing like 2000 pound bulls. So um, that you see on the covers of, you know, books and calendars in Yellowstone. Um, and so like a quarter bison is around 75, 80 pounds. Um, and you think about how much meat you eat over the course of a year, um, how much food you eat, and you think about how healthy and nutrient dense this, you know, field harvested grass fed bison meat is. Um, so, so anyways, so I just, you know, a quarter is, it's, it's, it's a totally manageable amount of meat, like more than manageable, um, excuse me. But so for the, in the immediate future, we'll continue to do quarter, half and whole bison. Um, but we're hoping by the end of this year to offer a few other options. And I don't, you know, it'll be a long time before we sell like an individual T-bone. Um, but we would, let's be, you know, become popular are these like bundle boxes that various, you know, ranchers and food companies offer. And so we would love to be able to offer like a 25 pound box that has a handful of steaks, a bunch of ground bison, maybe a couple marrow bones. Um, and um, so we're working on on getting that across the finish line. Awesome. And and for, for folks, the quarter bison being uh, 75, 80 pounds, that comes out to about- So it's a $775 deposit. And then it's, uh, it's seventeen ninety nine a pound for the exact amount of meat you get back, and then you separately pay the processing fee, which is a little over two hundred bucks. Um, but I would say one hundred percent based on what you're getting, which is a pretty rare product. You know, grass fed, grass finished, field harvested bison. Seventeen ninety nine a pound is a steal. Um, like when you look at the other folks that do, you know, grass fed, grass finished, field harvested bison, and sell smaller cuts like the price per pound on some of those steaks is crazy. Um, you know, and you're getting it for 1799 a pound. So I would say, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not cheap meat, but you get what you pay for. So, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, uh, our customers love it. Like I, we get, like, I love getting emails and texts from our customers that are either food photos or just telling me how much they love the meat and the taste and how it makes them feel. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's, uh, I think it's a great deal. Absolutely is. Yeah. And Alice Waters has a quote that I love food should be affordable, but never cheap. And if you really think about that, that is a deep, deep wisdom because yeah, what, what you're providing there is, is definitely affordable and a, and a really great deal given the food that you're making being the best quality food that one can imagine. And yeah, you're going to pay a lot more for, for much lower quality you know, food. So th this is, that's a tremendous um, investment, especially if you think about, okay, going to get a chest freezer, going to fill that up with a quarter cow, half cow, and just kind of keep doing that over time. And another question coming to mind that may be um, in the minds of folks kind of contemplating this is, is what kind of cuts come in like a, a quarter cow? Are there um, organs, um, different various, like, what is the variety like there? Sure. Well, one, I like that word. I was, it's funny. You read, we, we were on the same wavelength because I, I like that it, it word investment because that's what it is, right? Like, I mean, there's such a rightfully so focus on physical health, mental health, and the relationship to, to food or uh, on both of those things. And so like, you know, are you, do, do you want to invest in your physical health and your mental health, your brain function? You know, how do you do that with extra, you know, it's diet and exercise and, and, and some other things, but largely diet and exercise. And so, um, you know, I, I think it is, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very, of the various things you could invest in, investing in your physical and mental health, a damn good place to invest. Um, so anyways, we offer, so the two, so on a quarter, we have two different options. So they both all have your, your, your classic great steaks. So porterhouse, T-bone, ribeye, sirloin, flat iron, and then, um, a, a chunk of filet mignon. The rest of the tenderloin is in the T-bone and the porterhouse. Um, and then a bunch of like one pound packages of ground bison. Um, and, and our ground bison is, there's nothing added. So there's enough fat on the animal that it's, uh, you know, like if you order a quarter, you're getting a quarter from that animal that I send you a picture of. 
and nothing else. It's 100% from that animal. And, um, you know, we call the fat, it's yellow gold, you know, I mean, this is, this is beautiful grass fed fat that's unbelievably healthy for you. Um, and the, you know, so the ground bison is super versatile. I mean, you can do anything under the sun, right? Like burgers, tacos, pasta sauce, meatballs, um, you know, with two little kids, we eat, I joke, we eat so much, our kids are going to grow horns. Um, uh, you know, cause it's the type of thing where it's like five o'clock and we live, you know, the ranch, we're far from town. So it's like five o'clock. It's like, what are we, it's like, what are we doing for dinner? It's like, Oh, I thought you had it. Well, I thought you had it. And you can just run, grab a couple of frozen packages of ground bison, thaw them super quickly. And you've got burgers or typically in that situation would do, you know, pasta sauce, tacos, sloppy joes, whatever, really quickly, healthy, delicious. Um, anyway, so one of the, and, and then there's a few Asobuco shank cuts. So the Montana cut is that. Uh, and then the big sky cut is you get less ground bison and then you get some roasts. Um, so you get some nice roasts in there if you like doing roasts or you could just, you know, like cube the roast and use it as stew meat. Um, and then on the, the half bison, which is more and more popular, that whole side of bison is yours and you can have it cut any way you want. And so I just put the customer in direct touch, um, direct contact with uh, one of two folks at the butcher shop. And then they work out with each other how they, so I'm not in the, in the middle of that, like nothing's lost in translation, the game of telephone. Um, and also it's like, know your lane, right? Like they're the butchers, like they're the experts. And so they can talk through like, how do you like to eat? What do you guys like to cook? What do you to tell me? And they can help talk through like, you know, and I've seen with that, with a half, then you're talking, you know, all the steaks and roasts and cube steak and short ribs and flank steak and skirt steak and um, stew meat and all sorts of stuff. Um, so anyways, um, but yeah, so, so that's, uh, those are the, those, those are the options, uh, for that we offer. Awesome. I have, my mouth is, uh, salivating now after, after all these, all these options and Matt, uh, I'll, I'll link to, uh, North Bridger Bison, the, the name of your ranch. I'll have that website link below for folks to, to look deeper into this, to check it out, to place a deposit and, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I want to be really respectful of, of, of your time here. And, and I think the, the mission that you're on and the, the hero's journey that you're on, it really is heroic. And, and I have a tremendous amount of admiration for everything that you're doing and, and, and putting out there. It's awesome. I, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for, for coming on this podcast, sharing everything that, that you have shared. And is, is there anything left that you'd like to sort of share with everyone, everyone listening? No, I, th I think, I th you know, I think that covers it. I think, you know, that, um, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think if people are interested, they, you know, can go to our website and, um, you know, my email phone numbers on there, you know, can reach out over Instagram uh, is another way to do it. But yeah, if anyone has any questions about anything, feel free to reach out. And um, uh, mostly just thank you, Case, for, for being interested and, Really appreciate what you do, having all these awesome conversations with lots of different people. So keep up the awesome work. It was, it was super great to connect here. Thanks, Matt. Powerful. Hope you have a, a great rest of your day out, out, in, out in the ranch. And until uh, next time, thank you. All right, man. See ya.